to turn the channel, go ahead, fool, turn the channel. We've seen midgets grow. Mandarabasata. I don't make this stuff up. Warlocks are enemies of God. A lot of people who go into prison go into prison straight, and when they come out, they're gay. Science is interesting, and if you don't agree, you can f*** off. Well, I'm not too righteous, but on the other hand, I think you're a bit of a dingling. If you want to learn something about God, shut your mouth and listen to me for a minute. Welcome to the AXPX Podcast, Season 3, Episode 4. I am Sean DeRager. Uh, thank you guys for listening to the show. Uh, sorry I had to miss out last week. Uh, trying to do this is a bit crazy, trying to schedule everybody, but um, I'll, I'll get, I think I'll get back into the swing of things here. Um, a couple of quick announcements. I did start a Facebook group, kind of a companion group to the AXPX podcast. It's called Skeptic with No Vowels, S-K-P-T-C. This is a group I tried doing a while ago, an actual meetup in my area, and that kind of failed. But um, I liked the idea, and kind of as a Facebook group, I think it kind of works. I think the armchair philosophers, too, as a Facebook group, too, like, broad, maybe? And this kind of gets straight to the point. So, I don't know. So, check that out if you guys want. You can search on Facebook that way. It's the SKPTC. So, we got 53 people, members so far, and I would love to have everyone else kind of share their stories there. Um and I'll try to get actual, like, URL. I don't know. But today, I've been wanting to catch up with this guy for quite some time. we got Rob Davis joining us today. What's up, man? Hello. We have been, uh, you were, you were almost, a, almost a regular on the AXP. <laughs> we were doing it for a while, you know, with Joey and everything. But um, I wanted to bring you back on just to kind of see, you know, because as we're all on these, you know, at, once we kind of, discard i guess the organized religion in our lives and kind of move on and decide that this is the journey we're going to take uh it we all kind of go on these separate paths and journeys with hills and valleys or mountains and valleys or whatever and and um my journey has definitely been ups and downs and where i'm at now is definitely different than i was two years ago two years ago i think i was myself i was pretty much ready just to shed all religion and just be pretty much atheist. Um, however, now I'm starting to read things and kind of, I can't shake the whole Jesus thing. So I've been looking into reading, listening to other podcasts and listening and reading some things and trying to, I guess, um, you know, kind of juggle all that and kind of see what that's all about. Because I like the message that Jesus gave, but the rest of the Bible, that's up for grabs. <laughs> that, the rest of that I don't understand. But, um, and you had you had started a, you had a little Facebook group going on, and and you've mentioned some things about you were wanting to change the name for a while, and you were trying to I guess discard the whole label type thing, right? Like where where have you gone this these past two years? Have you pretty much stayed this? Are you know labels are always hard, you know? But where where do you I guess how do you do describe yourself now? That is a good question. Um... Uh, yeah, I don't, <laughs> it's interesting, like, you know, probably at least a year ago, I think I went back and listened to some older interviews over the past, <clears throat> I guess now it's almost been six years since I kind of walked away from the whole church thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, definitely interesting just to, to revisit like, you know, these different phases that uh, I don't know if all people go through them, but definitely people that have kind of a religious background of, you know, you go through like mm -hmm. uh, the anger, bitterness. It's uh, almost, it's, just, it's a total grieving process for sure. Yeah. I, I wonder if someone's actually made comparisons. <laughs> it, it, I think that would make a lot of sense. Like, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, at this point, um, I don't, it's, it's interesting because, you know, you brought up that group, um, and more and more as time goes on, you know, that group, um, is maybe the only forum where I actually, uh, try to process any yeah. of that stuff anymore. Right. Um, like in my day-to-day -day life, like I just don't have those conversations at all. 
Okay. Um, so it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I started working for this company almost four years ago and, you know, at that point I was in a pretty bad place mentally. Um, and you know, I didn't, I didn't want to bring up my past with really anyone that I worked with and mm-hmm. I kind of, you know, established myself and got promoted. And now, um, it's, it's strange because no one, maybe one or two people that I work with know anything about my, <laughs> my, uh, church background. Yeah, so, so, um, yeah, it's, 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 I don't know. I'm not uh, sad about it or anything. No. It's just very different. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, because because you came from, you were employed by a church. You were you were you were a remind me if you were a pastor, correct, or a youth pastor, or associate pastor. You, you basically made your living in you know at a church. Yeah, and, and that's what and you went to school for. Yeah, and <laughs> and and uh, that's the problem a lot of people have, especially in the church, and why people stay pastors and why. Honestly, like why I think Jay Baker is still under the pastor moniker himself is because he knows nothing else. And he's even said that on his his sermons and, and podcasts and interviews and stuff like that. It's like, what are you gonna do when you shed all all this time that you've built your career up in religion and then you shed that and what do you have left? And I think your story could be kind of a success story and and that's the I think that's the hardest thing people in ministry have when they start having questions is they don't want to explore too far because they, they don't know where, where they're going to go from there. And it's definitely a scary thing. Yeah. It's, you know, being in that place where you're, you know, starting to question things, but you, you know, you're, you're getting a paycheck and you're providing for your family. And then, you know, at at a certain point, the cognitive dissonance becomes just, too strong and there's just no way you can you know it's i think that's why a lot of uh pastors which these stories don't really get told but a lot of pastors end up committing suicide mm-hmm. or you know at least attempting it just because they they really feel like they have nowhere to turn and they're they're just completely stuck and they've got to you know force themselves into some mold it's interesting i've been like recently you know just listening to a lot of like um, like WTF, which mm-hmm. you know, one of my favorite podcasts, and just listening to how actors talk about, you know, they went into acting when they were a kid or like early twenties. They, you know, never went to school, and just, just kind of this weird, similar thing of like they don't have any other, <laughs> uh, they don't have any other skills. Like yeah. they they just pretend to be someone and it's eerily similar to um, what I think a a church leader, definitely not all of them, but I think most of them that I've ever known have Mm kind of gone through that same process of just like, who am I? (laughs) Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a stage persona. I mean, pastors have to put on some sort of face to go on stage in front of their congregation. They can't let everyone in you know, into their, into their inner, inner circle, because a pastor is kind of the face of the church, a face of, you know, perfection, if you will, to the congregation, everyone looks up to them. And when that rug gets pulled off from under the congregation, it, you know, churches end and split up and more, more denominations are created. (laughs) But, but I, I think we can look at your, your story is kind of a, you you came through it and you were successful in kind of shedding that, which is great. You know, yeah, and you know, maybe, maybe there is more hope than I think there once was. Um, yeah, because you, but I think it. Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say because you, you kind of went through some sort of PTSD in a sense, correct? Is do you still struggle with that? Um, as far no, as- I, I think I did for a few years. Um, yeah, it's definitely like some residual like rarely things will come up and I'll get like just a really weird feeling or like I'm almost going to have a panic attack or whatever. But I feel like, you know, going through therapy for about a year really, um, I guess gave me the tools that I, that I just didn't have up to that point. Mm -hmm. And so now it's just, just a lot easier just to get through 
almost anything. So (laughs) that's, that's cool. Yeah. I want to explore the PTSD thing further. I, there's someone on the skeptic group that I started up that she had, uh, is dealing with that, had dealt with that. She came out of church leadership as well. So this is something I want to explore further, um, on future shows for sure. Cause it's definitely something that is real. And I think a lot of people kind of push brush under the rug or they, they don't think they only kind of keep PTSD more towards like military or people who've seen, seen battle and things like that. But I, I feel like religion, you know, any sort of anyone coming out of religion is going to deal with that, you know, in any, yeah. any type of mental issue for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So let's put a pin in that, and I'm I'm sure I'm going to come to you for some resources cool. when, I'm, when yeah. I'm building that show for sure. So, but um, so so you've you're pretty much do you really you just kind of like religion in general like you and your family you're just kind of uh, done with it. Do you dip your toe in from time to time? But um, I know for a while, especially for me, we all go through this thing right where you see all these stories about all these churches, and just recently with this stupid ass Starbucks thing with that jackass <laughs> causing all this. It's like, normally I would have jumped on that and just rode the wave of that and complained and blah, 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 blah. But I just kind of ignored it this time around. And it was yeah. almost liberating <laughs> to <laughs> just ignore the, just the circus. Cause this stuff's always going to turn up. Um, but, um, do you just, you know, you're kind of, uh, just don't even pay attention anymore or what's. Yeah. I don't, I, you know, there's a couple podcasts I still listen to, like the Unbelievable podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's right. You got to tell me a story about that. <laughs> yeah, and um, so not not every week. I yeah. think if the, if the topic seems really interesting to yeah. me, then I'll go ahead and listen to it. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's just not. Um, it's. It's kind of strange now like because my my kids are now 16 and 15 mm-hmm. so they're you know um they're really their own people and you know they make the majority of their own decisions you know we're still their parents but mm-hmm. um you know we're trying to give them a lot of freedom and responsibility and and you know my wife doesn't really she just doesn't care about the whole church religion mm-hmm. topic at all. She never really <laughs> has. Um, she just finds it to be the most boring thing ever. <laughs> so it's really like I'm kind of, you know, if if I have thoughts, then they mostly remain in my head. And, you know, if, if they come out, then they come out through the, the Facebook group. Right. Um, or, you know, randomly an old friend, I'll remember some conversation and we'll email back and forth. But yeah, it's just, um, I mean, another, another angle, I guess, to it would be that I, you know, I'll randomly come across some local pastor, somebody involved in something. It'll sound really interesting to me. And so I'll be like, Hey, we should grab coffee. We'll sit down, have a really good conversation. And then like, I don't have another thought about mm. what we talked about. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's very different when you're, um, so caught up in something that, you know, everything becomes urgent and, right. you know, you get this new thing and this new yeah. information and this idea or question or whatever, <clears throat> and you want to jump on it and chase all these rabbit trails. And, <laughs> you know, if you, if you don't do that, then you feel like you're, you're missing out on something yeah. and like that is just not happening at all to me anymore. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I think that's good, man. And I, I think I did a podcast with Joey called about balance. And I think that was the last one that I did before I took this extended hiatus. And, but that's the thing you need to learn how to balance all this stuff. I know my, when I told my wife, I was bringing back the AXPX podcast. I saw the, like the deer in the headlights look <laughs> from her and she started like <laughs> uneasily, like backing away, like, Oh shit, what <laughs> are yeah. we going to start this insane <laughs> insanity again? And I told her, I mean, I'm, I'm, and I, but I'm not that person anymore. I'm not as obsessed. I'm more interested in having kind of, you know, cool conversations with different people I find interesting and talking, you know, religion and philosophy and exploring things. But as far as being obsessed, I think 
I think everyone who goes through this, what we've gone through, has to shed that self, that self, and part of that process is almost being obsessed. And I think it's almost a uh, personality trait as well. And I, I've been listening a lot, and I brought this show up on uh, last time to the Liturgist podcast. It's with Michael Gunger. He was a he was a worship leader. He has a band called Gunger, and he took a lot of shit from fundamentalists about saying that he believes the creation story is more of a myth and that the flood didn't happen and things like that. And, you know, if you've been around these circles, you know that that was for him, that was the wrong thing to say in that circle. Yeah. (laughs) And he even had come out to his congregation that he was leading worship and said he was supposed to speak. And he told them that he didn't believe, didn't know what he believed anymore. Mm. And that like caused people to leave the church and stuff. So he's been through some stuff, which is weird because I I have a kind of connection with him because he was I'm hoping I'm trying to get him on the show we'll see what happens but I was a went to Believers Church when he was a worship leader and I remember when I was going trying to sort of find God for the first time away from my away from my normal circle and I was like this is this is God this is this worship is amazing you know and you <laughs> felt God's presence and to have that guy that gave that experience to me not necessarily believe anymore is uh, is kind of crazy but yeah. he's he's even going through that. So listening to their show was almost confirmation that this, and I, I, I feel like they mentioned it in their podcast, but I mean, I've been through loss of, you know, my, my brother-in-law, we just recently lost uh, my neighbor and mm-hmm. I'm seeing this grieving process. And it definitely makes sense that there are similarities, similarities with the grieving process. You have to almost obsess and analyze and overanalyze the thing that you're letting go in order yeah. to let it go. And I'm, and I've, and I've, I've been through that for sure. And, and I'm, I'm reading some new things, some new things about uh, different perspectives of, of the Bible, kind of from like a Rob Bell perspective, I guess. And I kind of, uh, you know, a lot of that stuff I feel is almost reaching to kind of keep a sense of spirit, uh, spirituality in, in their lives you know, and, and kind of the way that they're analyzing the Bible. But uh, to me, it's, it's super interesting. I'm reading a book called The Bible Tells Me So by Peter Enns. Oh, yeah, okay. And uh, it's a really good read. Like, I like, I mean, it's not like a uh, Bart Ehrman, you have to, like, have no distractions and really digest what he's writing. Peter Enns takes almost a similar approach, but it's much more readable. I think he's still... Cons- he's in the Rachel Held of Evans and Rob Bell circle. If that, if you yeah. guys, so he's still somewhat of, of a believer, but he approaches the Bible from a different perspective. But, but I like like a lot of what he's saying because I post shit every now and then on Facebook, and I'm I'm just I'm almost just waiting for people to respond. But I think people are kind of have written me off now. <laughs> yeah, I, I <laughs> definitely. Kind of, you guys just let it go, and oh, there's Sean posting random stuff again. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let it shake my faith. Nice I'm try, a- Sean. I've definitely experienced that with with people on Facebook where I know I'm I'm randomly posting something that, you know, four or five years ago would have been like friendship ending and like <laughs> so controversial and now I get like silence. Right. Like, but hey, I post a <laughs> post a cute cat, you know, or I just I posted my Wookiee slippers. Uh, yeah. One hundred likes. <laughs> yeah something about how the canaanites uh how the israelites made up god's command to defeat the, the, uh, the canaanites nothing yeah crickets <laughs> yeah i actually um uh this was while i was still uh uh working on staff at that acts 29 church um but i our our small group that i was leading in our house um we were always trying to find like interesting, you know, lectures and stuff to go to. And, um, Peter ends actually, he spoke at Duke. Um, hmm. and this was probably 2000, I bet it was 2009. And it was pretty soon after he got, um, kicked out of Westminster. Or oh. I think it was Westminster. Um, for, I think denying inerrancy, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yep. And the whole title of this uh, talk that he gave was, Is the Bible Ever Wrong? And uh, <laughs> so he goes through this whole thing. I'm sitting there with a group of like 
I bet it was like eight or 10 people from my small group, all like pretty evangelical people. And, you know, he ends his lecture. And so he's like, so is the Bible wrong, ever wrong? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this this could get interesting. How, how did how did your uh, the group you're with respond to that? Did they just kind of write it off, or did they was it like the topic of conversation for the whole ride home? I think they all kind of got used to me kind of rambling about <laughs> something that was definitely not towing the line. Um, so who knows exactly what? Yeah. Was, but I think they all were like like pretty used to it because I that was kind of what I did in our small group was just like, hey, I read this book and it. <laughs> Totally calls into question the authenticity of the uh, the letters to Timothy. <laughs> They're like, uh. <laughs> I'm I, I'm I, I'm going to a church now, uh, a church near my house, and I, I really love it. I love the people there, and I really have a lot of respect for the pastor. But I'm terrified to join their Bible, their men's Bible study group. Oh yeah, absolutely terrified. Because what they're doing is they're going through, you know, you know, those devotional books, read this devotional, read the, the peppered verses, whatever that they pick through the Bible to talk about this topic and we'll all discuss it, you know, and which is not the kind of Bible study that I want to do at all. Um, But yeah, I've been, I've been wanting to do it to kind of meet people. That's really the only way you can really meet people in a church because I feel like before church or after church, even though we have breakfast before church. You kind of meet people, but it's all kind of, I don't know, um, very surface level. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I've, it's almost been a year now and I've still haven't joined up with the Bible study yet. I keep saying I will, (laughs) but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting dilemma that I think probably the majority of people, if they were honest, they are in the middle of it Mm -hmm. where I think it was, um, that liturgist podcast the interview with david bazan oh man that's a great interview by the way he you know he's talking about um his wife was really interested in church he just want to show up and have a good feeling and you know he would he's like well i don't really want to go but if you want me to go i'll go and he shows up and then he spends like the next hour just like ripping apart what was said (laughs) by the pastor and uh she just kind of got annoyed with him and it was just like (laughs) Like, man, I wonder how many people, um, I've got several friends who, you know, just in the past couple of years, they, you know, were pretty involved in their churches and just couldn't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And they were in the same situation where they show up and, you know, all the stuff about Jesus, they're totally on board with. And Mm -hmm. they're like, yeah, great. Like, let's go love our neighbors and let's change the city and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know the pastor goes off on something that just makes absolutely no sense. And, you know, you just like, I I definitely couldn't do it anymore. I got to the point working for the church that, you know, I was uh, quote unquote working on Sundays and I wasn't listening to the sermons because it it was just, it just, like not, (laughs) nothing was making any sense to me. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, what I, what I like about this church is that the pastor came from a church that was um, basically the pastor. of It was a big kind of almost mega church here in Southern California. And the pastor had an affair and split the church. And he left. He was the youth pastor and he left, didn't know what he was going to do. And him and some of the other people who left the church were still still wanted to meet. So they would have breakfast at his house. And then after a while, he was like, well, let's just try to start a church and they do breakfast in the morning and you're and anyone's welcome to have breakfast. You don't have to be a member of the church. Just show up and there's breakfast, which is really cool for the community. Yeah. And they meet at the local middle school. And then what he does is he, he'll take just a chunk out of the Bible and just read it. And mostly it's New Testament. Every now and then he'll go to Old Testament and kind of from like a historical perspective, kind of analyze what's being read, which is, which is great. Um, he's, but he's still like, I feel like he has, he's straddling the line between inerrancy of the Bible. Is that the right word? Right. Inerrancy and, um, the historical perspective. But, uh, I, I, I've been meaning to have lunch with him to kind of see exactly where he's at. Cause some of the stuff I feel like he's giving a little bit of lip service. 
Um, but he just wants, you know, he really wants others to, to love one another, which is yeah. what the main issue with the church was when the pastor had an affair. There was just, it, it rocked the church to its core and, you know, that was just a mess and he doesn't really, he just saw how that ruined people's lives and he's not there trying to be perfect and he's just this really approachable guy and so that, that, that's the reason why I've gone. He'll straddle the line. I know when their whole LGBTQ stuff's going on, when marriage equality happened nationwide, um, he said a few things kind of coded not to fully say he wasn't for it, but he said, mm-hmm. you know, oh, our nation's upside down or, you know, everyone's understanding of the Bible is upside down. What's right is wrong. What's wrong is right. I'll say certain things like that and not fully say it. And that's when I kind of cringe in my chair a little bit and, you know, bite my tongue. But, yeah. but uh, it's hard, man. It's, it's, it's hard to find. For me, I'm, I'm going to keep, my, my wife likes going. And so it's, for me, it's, it, it's more important for on Sunday for me to, you know, make sure she's happy and she likes going. And the kids, the kids really like the Sunday school and, and everything. So, you know, it's and it's not a mega church, so I can put up with it. <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, it's, it's all I guess it's all about finding where you know where we're at, and and like I've said before, like the right balance. But um, I wanted to ask you about the you had wrote to the unbelievable podcast, right? You had uh, what, oh, yeah. what, what was what was that story? What was, what was that about? You were um, well, I I've had this kind of question in my mind for the past I guess almost six years Mm -hmm. of you know just trying to figure out like like I think the majority of Christians would say that there's something you know something unique and um, there's some something they could glean from Christianity that would be um, necessary for the entire world to mm-hmm. know. Um, and that that thing should be shared with everyone, um, that everyone should, um, you know, convert to that thing, whatever that thing is. Everyone's got different ideas of what that thing is of some unique idea. Or if you could say, you know, the person of Jesus or, um, a belief or a practice and experience like, you know, communion or something. So this question in my head has just been like, like, what is it about Christianity that I, as an individual, should um, force myself into that group. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think when people really consider that question, they, for the most part, don't have an answer. They'll try to answer that question and come up with something... um, but I'm putting it really in the, the realm of ob- objectivity and saying this, whatever that thing is, it has to be something that you could, you know, demonstrate anywhere in the world that this thing is so important and unique and urgent and whatever that whoever came upon this idea, whatever, would have to fall in line. Mm-hmm. And... Of course, like I'm, I'm, this is an impossible question. And <laughs> right. um, yeah, I, I think you posted the question <laughs> on this group and I was like, oh, it's yeah, like, and it's, <laughs> it, uh, it definitely, I, I don't think there is an answer to the question. I think most Christians would agree that there's not something that is, you know, objectively unique yeah. about Christianity. But what I think that does is it, it, it derails the conversation from the realm of fact and um, reality and objectivity. And it, it puts religion, spirituality, theology, all of that where I think it belongs, which is in the realm of subjectivity. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I, 
I really like going to church. Like if someone said that, you know, if that's, if that's their thing, I like going to church. I like the experience of communion. I, you know, prefer to drag my family out of the bed on Sunday morning and <laughs> go through all that chaos. You know, it is, I, it is chaos, man. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I think complete if, chaos. If that is the way someone approaches it, to me, I have zero, zero problem with that. I think when it, when it becomes that there, people are trying, you know, someone like a William Lane Craig or something, trying to show you, oh, this actually is objective, like something mm-hmm. like the resurrection, like mm-hmm. oh, it can, it can be proven, and we have all this evidence and all these arguments and whatever, when, you know, the majority of scientists, philosophers, historians don't buy that, yeah. then <laughs> I think there's a problem. And it's like, like, that is great. If that is what you want to do, that's awesome. I support it. I am glad, you know, when, uh, when my wife comes to me and she says, you know, I'm going to start, uh, I'm going to take this new trail to run on uh, every day. I'm like, that's awesome. That is yeah. good for you. You go do that. I will support you. I will help you. I will help you get some new shoes, whatever you need. I'm going to help you do that. But if she comes to me and says, this is the only trail. This is the best trail. There is no other trail. <laughs> you, everyone in the world should run on this trail and um, it'll change your life and it'll make everything better. And if you don't, run on this trail, then you're a terrible person. And like putting it in that realm of like not being just a preference, Mm -hmm. not being something that you, you enjoy or like, or, you know, even, you know, with something like that, it's like, you can tell other people, man, this is great. Like I had this great experience and, you know, you might enjoy it as well, but there's a subtle shift from that to this is necessary, unique, um, objective, primary, like all these things that trying to put your preference in the realm of mm-hmm. gravity or, you know, the, the earth rotating around the sun or like all these truly objective ideas or discoveries that we've made about the universe. Right. Since the Bible was written, they had none of this knowledge, (laughs) none of the knowledge on how the world works, how the universe is, the solar system, gravity. I mean, everything was mystical to them. You, God was really the only answer you could give (laughs) for that stuff. But I mean, there's still, I think there still is a bigger, you know, there's only so much we know, right? So, I mean, even with all the discoveries we have and everything, I still attribute to the bigger unknown as, you know, poss- possibility of, of God or whoever. But I don't think, and this is the thing that my, my, my wife and I always get tripped up on. I always, I always have to tiptoe carefully around <laughs> these types of subjects. But it's, um, you know, but that, that can change with the more we discover, you know, but uh, who God is, what God is, I don't know. And, but that's the thing that these, that Christianity does, especially uh, when you get down to apologetics and things like that, is everything hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. If you don't believe in the resurrection, you know, then you're not saved, you know, which, and that's the one thing my wife and I always go back and forth on because she thinks that the, believing the actual physical resurrection is key to the Christian faith, which I don't agree. I more look on it as the resurrection of the ideas Jesus had, you know, how, how did his philosophy resonate after he died? If he died, um, after he died from then on history, how it affected history, I think is more of a resurrection on how I understand it. But, these apologetics have oh, they they always like the unbelievable podcast. What's what's the host name of, of that podcast? Uh, uh, Justin Justin Brierly, right? Yeah. And he more puts things from apologetics where they can explain the resurrection and, and and of course it all boils down to faith, right? But there's no 
scientific evidence, no historical evidence, no true archaeological evidence about that Jesus even existed that I know of, or that he was raised, you know, from the dead. So, um, but all that doesn't matter to me. It, I could care less if Jesus actually, you know, rose from the grave or not. To me, it's more of his teachings of love your enemies, turn the other cheek, uh, help the poor. That resonates with me. And if that idea was what came out of, of all that, great, you know, totally yeah. happy with that. And that's a fantastic foundation for me to have, for my kids to have, um, and we can go on from there. We can go on from there and, you know, and if you want to dig in further and, and learn, I don't, I don't think that you have to necessarily, the, a foundation can be that, oh, no, the resurrection is the foundation. Nah, it, it doesn't matter. Really, it doesn't matter. Right. Because well, <laughs> that's, pro- that's not provable, you know, but I think, and, and you know what, and I don't, even in, in, the, in the Gospels, I don't, I think Jesus just said, follow him. It was after the fact where with Paul and things like that said, uh, if you have to believe that Jesus Christ rose in the grave and, and all that stuff to be saved. That was later, right. hundred years after Jesus quote unquote rose <laughs> after from the grave or after his death. So Yeah. Do you I mean, what do you think when you think of the, the God question? Do you ever do you ponder that? Or is that still a question mark? Um how do you approach approach that? Um, yeah, I, d- I definitely have, you know, I think for people to not have, a, um, experiences in their life that are mysterious and strange and, um, you know, where you look at, you know, right now my wife is taking a biology class and she's talking about all these intricate things that, um, that happened on a molecular level. Mm-hmm. I'm reading through that and going, man, like if all of that happened by chance, that's insane. Yeah. But it doesn't mean to me that it did or did not happen by chance. So I think like, like I'm kind of, I guess in this place where I, I still think, you know, there's a possibility that God created everything and, or a God or some type mm-hmm. of something created everything and that that thing or entity or being is present in everything. And I mean, that's, I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility or plausibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, I think I'm becoming more and more um, of a pragmatist where I'm, I'm like that, yeah, that's an interesting question. I'm going to go like get something accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> I got some work to do. Yeah, uh, go do my job got some now. bills to pay and children to feed. <laughs> I don't have time to dive into these textbooks right now, but you know what? I'll put a pin in it. Yeah. That's how I feel. I feel like once my kids are older, once I actually have time, if I care, I will be able to study all this. And I think if, if the burning questions are still there when I'm, you know, in my fifties, great. I'll study it further. But I, yeah, I, I really, I like bringing up questions is finding the answers. That's, I don't, I don't have the time for right now. I, I mean, I've, I, I got this book from Peter Enns a month ago. I'm, you know, I'm only on chapter, he doesn't even, doesn't even have chapter number. I'm only on page 60. Nice. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I read like maybe five, 10 pages today. You know, yeah. so it's like five, 10 pages a week. That's, that's where I'm at. So yeah, it, but there was that time though when I was, you know, really wanting to study all this and needing to have answers and, and my wife giving me, pressuring me, you know, you need to figure this out for our children. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, that's a huge, uh, amount of pressure, you know, when, when you, when you go through all this, but, yeah, totally. but I think the healthy thing is to kind of be like, well, I'll, you know, I'll get these answers when I get there and, yeah, uh, and you know, it's, nothing's it's great. 
great for kids to hear their parents say, I don't know. So. Right. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And I, they, I say that all the time. I don't know. Well, you know, uh, we'll talk about it in five years once you can yeah. grasp the, the concepts. You know, once you had a few deeper science classes, let's have a discussion. Yeah. But it's cool because my, my daughter's getting there. She's 10. And she's starting to have questions and learn more things. And, and uh, I've had some cool conversations with her. So I'm, I'm excited. I think my wife's terrified once they start asking deep questions. Um, <laughs> but I, I find it fascinating. I, I, I love – it's like at that age, that's the time. I mean, I wish I would have had the time and drive at that age to really learn Right. And study things. Um, shit, I'm like when I was 20, I wish I had the drive to learn the stuff. I mean, now that I have wife and kids, it's hard, so hard to really study the stuff. You know, I wish I would have gone through this when I was younger, I guess. I mean, but I think I, it's like looking back now, this is something that I'm, I feel like I'm really thankful for that when, when our kids were younger, despite, you know, us being in a pretty conservative environment, um, theologically or whatever, but um, like, I really feel like we taught our kids critical thinking from as early as I can remember. And mm-hmm. I really think that is, you know, whatever myth people want to hold on to, that's fine. But, you know, to help them get through the day. But I think, you know, teaching critical thinking and questioning and, you know, argumentation and reasoning and all those things, I think, are just so much more important than whatever, um, whatever philosophy or, you know, lifestyle or worldview someone holds on to. I think if they, they learn all those other tools, um, I think that's going to stay with them in their entire lives. It's, it, you know, it, it can, it can backfire a lot of ways as a parent <laughs> yeah. Uh, because you, you know, teach your kids to question everything and then you say one statement to them and then it beces a, a debate. <laughs> like, oh my God. Just, right. Yeah. Just say, okay. Just, <laughs> and, uh, so I think it's super important. I think it'll, it'll help them their entire lives. So. Yeah. 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 Do you, uh, I think, I think it's the one thing that we, uh, you and I both are on the same page. This the one thing that that pisses both of us off with religion is the organized religion aspect, right? The, the the fundamentalist stuff that gets posted out there. I mean, it, it seems to be the the one thing that always, you know, like not anymore. I mean, not as I don't, I'm not all mil- militaristic about it, but um, just the the depths that the fundamentalist understanding of Christianity goes, especially you know when with like the whole Starbucks thing and, and, uh, even with so, you know, these, uh, I see, I, it's like, I, I don't even really pay attention too much anymore, but, uh, you know, uh, who was that guy? Ferguson. Anyway, do you still, I mean, do you, do you still get, uh, pissed off? <laughs> and when you see stuff or I mean uh it seems yeah. like if you do you just you'll just post it to this page and be done with it and move on right that's right <laughs> <laughs> um I don't I've, I, I think like, um, for me it's when I see the church the, or you know the the quotes in quotes the church or any religion for that matter trying to control its population and trying to you know control the people Right. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing that gets under my skin. Yeah. And it's really like, yeah, I mean, I've, I guess I've, I've we probably all do this to some degree, but I've, I've probably insulated myself from a lot of just crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think we've all, there's like this, um, approach towards social media that that I used to buy into where it was like, oh, this is just a free exchange of ideas and blah, 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 blah. But after a while, it's like, it's like, you know what? I, I turn on Facebook because I genuinely get excited when I see 
friends and family doing fun things. Yeah. And kids are growing up and like, like that kind of stuff. Like I'm really happy for people and I like seeing it. I like knowing what's going on in people's lives or even, you know, really difficult things like, mm-hmm. um, you know, somebody died or like, you know, whatever, all those things. Like I want to know what's going on in people's lives. All the other crap, like, like I, I don't feel like I'm, I have to obligate myself to open myself up to that. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, like, uh, like setting boundaries for yourself with, you know, like a, a, an abusive spouse, like, okay, the best thing in that situation is to leave that relationship. It's, you know, it's good for you. It's good for them to be put in a place where they got to, you know, figure out what was causing this problem and work on it. So, you know, I, I don't feel guilty or whatever yeah. for blocking the majority of people on Facebook that, that are just posting just ridiculousness. So <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, um, I just, I used to feel like, I think it's like a, a, a subtle Christian thing in certain environments where you're like, well, I have to love everyone. I have to listen to everyone. I have to. You can love everyone and don't listen to everyone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I had to learn that as well. Like I would kind of, you know, it's fine. I, like I said, I think half the people have blocked most of my stuff you know, half, half the friends on Facebook, all the, the more of the fundamentalist. I, I hate using the term evangelical now that I've watched that uh, Rob Bell video. Did you see that about evangelical? Because uh, the I word even evangelical means literally to spread the good news. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's been kind of turned into this crazy, you know, the crazy fundamentalist right wingers are now called evangelicals, which is totally not even uh, true. I mean, the, there's the evangelical Lutherans and they're totally gay affirming. So, you know, it's an it's uphill battle, I guess, for people to take back evangelical. But yeah, but yeah, I think even, half of them don't even listen to my to my stuff anymore. <laughs> but I, I post a lot. Less. It's similar to like the word atheist, which is this word that you know I've considered over the past six years, and you know what does it mean, and how do different people use it, and you know, um depending on who I'm talking to, like it's, it's the word that makes the most sense, but it has like all this baggage. Yeah. So. It, it, that's been taken over by the Richard Dawkins, uh, right. Lawrence Krauss crowd, the militant atheists trying to, trying to take everyone away from their religion. Yeah. Which, ah, don't get me started on them. <laughs> I used to, I mean, that was the thing though, like when I was going through everything, I read a lot of their stuff and listened to a lot of their stuff, but, um, I, you know, I'm more just kind of, you know, just chill out everybody, you know, it's funny because both sides have their fundamentalists in a way. Well, I think what's, what's sad about that whole thing is that, you know, talking about the whole grieving process thing, like you go through this phase that is, you know, this anger and frustration and confusion and um so you're you're kind of defensively reacting and um you know that whole thing but that is a phase in this entire process and so many people have latched on to the earliest phase of yeah. you know quote unquote atheism and really I know at least a few people that just have not moved past it. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's sad to me that an entire, I guess, a movement has been built upon like a reaction Mm -hmm. and an unhealthy, um, you know, maybe it's, it's healthy for a, a period of time, but at a certain point, you got to move on and you got to grow up and you got to, <laughs> you know, actually deal with your life. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think what really put the cap on it for me is when I saw that Richard Dawkins, Lawrence Krauss, uh, quote unquote documentary. Yeah. <laughs> um, the unbelievers, which was just a puff, uh, 
uh, what's the word? What am I looking for? Yeah, I know what you mean. It was, it was terrible. <clears throat> Preaching to the atheist choir. Right. Um, propaganda. Yeah. It's a propaganda. It's an atheist propaganda piece. It, it really had no substance to, I mean, there is substance there. There is things that I find fascinating about the, about the way that atheists portray the world. I'm not there. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm more, I guess I'm more agnostic really than anything else. And, but even when I say that, my, you know, I, <laughs> I get the sideways glances, sideways glances. Um, <laughs> And then Jay Baker, he gleamed on, or he clinged on to the term, uh, Christ, was it Christian agnostic? Which yeah, I, I, I so. used that for a bit, and I was like, I heard him use it, and I was like, well, I'm not going to use that anymore. <laughs> um, but, you know, labels are labels, whatever. I, I Whatever, whatever. It's, you know, but I think limiting yourself, I think, to a label is almost giving up. You know, it's not, I, I think, being open to new things. Like, like scientists are open to new information, you know, they're open to proving themselves wrong on, on, on a certain level. And when you stop doing that and you stop, if you stay in one spot, you're limiting yourself, I think, to growth. And I think that to be a balanced human being, I think you need to be more open and to new ideas and proving, kind of proving your set ways wrong. I'm always looking to, that's an interesting idea that you're talking about. Well, it's when we ha- when I have a chance, I guess, uh, look into it further and we'll see if I, you know, change my view on this or whatever. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I, th- I think it's a, it, it's a good healthy thing f- to be is not stopping, I guess, which people on both sides just stop. You know, the, the fundamentalist Christian says, Oh, the Bible is hundred percent God breathed. Whatever it says in this book, I will do. Oh wait, wait! I'm not gonna go uh, stone this person. I'm not gonna. Well, I'll. I'll <laughs> yeah. Right. You can go down a rabbit hole here, but but they they stop and they explain things away and they don't. I feel like they don't grow. And if you challenge their perspective, it just turns into this, you know, never ending seesaw. You know, yeah. just back and forth. Which I avoid the back and forth. I there's a lot of the times if people keep going, challenging something that I say or whatever, it's just. Uh, you just gotta, I guess the grown up thing to do is just walk away from the conversation, you know, cause you're both not going to persuade each other. Yeah. And I think the, uh, one of the interesting things that I've seen is over the past five or six years, like at least a few of my friends have, have been, have over time become more and more fundamental, fundamentalist conservative and really debating and arguing and then you know you wait about a year and then they're they're, they've left the church they're Mm -hmm. an atheist and so i think like like with uh some people i I don't know if anyone's ever actually studied this but at least some people that i've known like i kind of expect like when someone starts like kind of going off the rails and just wanting to debate you like crazy like just you know back off give them Mm-hmm. Six months to a year, and they're going to be in the same place that you are. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. But I think when people are going through that, I think they're searching themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're internalizing it, and they're kind of, you know, you see it with people. And, and you know, you, you know the, the most anti-gay, you know, politicians and pastors and things like that, you find out a year later they were actually struggling with a struggle struggle is the wrong word to use uh homosexual tendencies homosexual is the wrong word to use it, even i got called out by a listener a while ago uh <laughs> gay tendencies themselves and yeah it, it's it, like it's like uh you just never know what they're going through pete rollins talks about this where he i don't know if he's still considering doing it but having like a an altar call like type of event to have like invite all these pastors together in the, in one room and then have an altar call and have them all come up and admit that they have doubts hmm. and <laughs> uh, just is going to have know, some nice soothing music, manipulative music <laughs> playing it, in the background. No, just connecting it to that idea. Like, like everyone's pretending and it's, yeah, you know, you, 
the people who think like everything's comfortable and safe and you know nothing's nothing's going on behind the scenes and you know my pastor's not you know actually gay and just hiding it and like all that stuff like like when you really like like I've tried to walk into those type of situations more recently and just be like man all of these people are faking it <laughs> they're all faking it and hey brother like <laughs> pray for you brother there is you know there's doubt there's mm-hmm. like probably some really dark scary yeah. things going on behind the scenes and you know I wish more people could just get to the place where they're able to just admit that rather I, than yeah um, just keep faking it pretending I think it'd be that, yeah I think it'd be healthier man I feel like like now I mean now that I'm very much open with who I am and and you know the doubts and struggles that I go through the questions I have I mean I'm not out forcing it on any uh, forcing it on anyone but if we get in a conversation I'm going to be frank about where I'm coming from as far as my you know r- religious hangups go or or whatever and I I feel like that's a healthier way to approach things as opposed to trying to be this glossy you know packaged product um if like like I said, the things that drew me to this church that I'm going to r- right now is the kind of openness that they have. I don't feel that I'm being played to to, to stay there. You know yeah. how they how these mega churches will have the greeters and all this stuff, and you know they kind of go out of their way to make it seem like this amazing thing. Like no, there's there's real people I think in the congregation. And there's, um, they're very open about that, uh, open about, you know, whenever someone in the congregation has passed away, it's, you know, the congregation mourns, but it's just different. I think this church that I'm going to is different and it's operating from a place of complete openness and honesty to an extent. And I think I, it's the first church I've been to in a while that has done that, where yeah. I don't feel it's all just a show. So, yeah, I think I wish more churches were like that. I think more people would go, especially people like us. Um, Right. But that's the thing. Like, I wish there was something that I could attend that I could bring up these tough questions. And right now, I think the only place people like us have when we when when we get the itch to talk about something is social media or or something or trying to track one person down and get your schedules to match up so you can have some coffee, you know, it's, uh, cause the organized churches won't welcome that. And I, I guarantee you, even if I stopped my pastor as he's talking <laughs> and had a question, uh, I would be shut down, you know? Yeah. But Yeah. And that, I don't, we don't definitely don't have to talk about this very much, but that just reminds me, you know, you mentioned, that you had started this group um, where you lived of, you know, I guess a skeptic group and it didn't really work no, out. It was, it was a total failure. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I don't know if you remember this, but I mm-hmm. started kind of a, I think a similar thing here in North Carolina that, you know, we went for a few months and um, what I was trying to do was bring together skeptics like across the board so it would be you know some pretty hardcore atheists and then mm-hmm. um some agnostic people some christians um so i think like one buddhist person showed up one time mm-hmm. and like really just trying to like let's focus on um focus on like critical thinking and questioning mm-hmm. and doubting and that kind of thing rather than the answers and yeah. I think a, a few times that we met, it was pretty cool and it was, you know, we had a good time and had really good conversations, but, you know, every other week it'd be like two people and then like the next week there'd be like 15 to 20 people depending on who was speaking. Mm-hmm. One time there was like 40 people that came in and like, and then um, what what I figured out is that 
you know, what, what one person thinks they mean by skeptic is very different than some other people that <laughs> have very clear ideas about what their agenda is and what they want to talk about yeah. and what everyone else should be doing. And, um, let's, you know, go feed the homeless and whatever it is like, like, um, which I mean, obviously a great thing, but like, it seemed like building a group on questions was just impossible. So it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. Cause yeah. I don't, Cause er, yeah, everyone has, I guess their own, their own agenda, but that's yeah. where I, and I think that's why people segregate themselves to different religions. It's whatever, you know, wherever they have landed, they want to be with other like-minded people. And that's why there's so many denominations. And it's just, it's just really tough. And for someone like me, it's, uh, I, I'm not someone who settles. So I remember I got called out for being a church hopper back in Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> and that was a bad thing. You need to pick a group, pick a church. Don't be one of these wishy-washy church hoppers. Yeah, <laughs> I was. I told him to fuck off. <laughs> I was like, you know, like uh, yeah, it was, uh, different different groups of my friends go to different churches. So I'm gonna go go check out each of the churches, whatever. I I uh, really think like, it's. I mean, you kind of already said it, but social media, the internet, groups, um, texting, chatting, mm-hmm. like, and. Um, I was going to bring up another example, uh, but just all of these things like, Oh, podcasts. That, that's right. My other yeah. Example. Like, like I really think that that is in the world that we live in. That's going to be the primary way that, that people figure out what they think about spirituality and theology and philosophy. Yeah. Like they're not, for the most part, most people are not going to show up to some event. Um, I mean, obviously those things are still happening, but the people on the fringes, they're just not going to like someone like me. I'm not going to show up at a church. I'm probably not going to go attend some lecture. I'm not going to like, I've got a lot of other things to do. It's not, you know, nearly as important to me as it used to be. Mm -hmm. And, I feel like a lot of people are like that. And I, I think the, the people in charge and control of creating spaces for those types of conversations to happen, I think they need to embrace and accept that and figure out a way to work around it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know what that, you know, how that works, but <laughs> neither do I, we're all in this together. Um, cool, man. Well, thanks for chatting with me about the stuff. Yeah, um, man. I don't know Great. if he's st- stuck on it. I'm like, I'm, 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 we're talking. I'm like, what am I going to call this episode? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> but, um, next week we're going to be picking back, piggybacking off of this topic. I'm going to be talking to Bob McDonald. He is trying to start up a thing called the Gnostic Church of Dharma and Virtue. And... It's kind of the same thing. He's trying to start up something with these like-minded people. He was a part of a think tank uh, a while back, a few years back, a think tank that was in line with the Levian Satanists. And he had told me that all that ended disastrously. And then he's a few years later starting this, starting this up. So we're going to talk to him. I'm excited to kind of chat with him about his journey and, and this thing called the Gnostic Church of Dharma and Virtue. It's on Facebook. Look it up. You can like the the page. Gnostic with a G, everybody. Gnostic. Check it out. And uh, I love his the logos he's using for it. So I'm, we'll see what happens with there. But And uh, make sure you uh, check out the skeptic group, SKPTC. Joey was actually telling me I should change the podcast to that. And I'm like, nah, it's okay. <laughs> I, I don't, you know. I don't want to be late. Like the, the skeptic comes with so many labels as far as a podcast goes. <laughs> I was like, it's not going to work. True, but true. a Facebook group, I think makes sense. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. It works out. So drop, drop us a line there. Uh, you can always go to the as well to find all the old podcasts. 
and you can contact me via email through there. And then I'm on Twitter at the AXPX. Um, Rob, is the Facebook group you're talking about, is that closed for new members? But it, uh, it, what's going on with that? It is not closed. Um, I mean, it, you have, it's by invite only, so it's a okay. private group. Um, if someone wanted to join the group, um, I guess they could message me. If someone, um, I'm very protective of the group. So we right. had to kick a few people out because, <laughs> uh, like, like I was saying, they're the type of people that have an agenda and mm-hmm. I, I, I don't feel like anyone in there has an agenda. So they, if you have an agenda, please don't ask to be in the group. And if you, if it comes out, then I will kick you out. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'll be jumping into that with uh, my, my group here. We'll see the whole Facebook group thing is new to me. So I don't know. Yeah, I'll figure it out. But uh, so far, it's been good. Like, uh, if you if you join the the skeptic group, um, give us your story, which everyone has a story, and, and it's been awesome. I've had some really great um, stories posted there, and I want to thank all of you if you're listening. If if you if you've posted there, thank you so much for being so open and honest. And uh, that's you know, it's it's Facebook's tough, and uh, there's a bunch of people trying to offer safe alternatives for you to to actually be yourself, you know, and it's, it's almost sad that we have to join Facebook groups to be ourselves in a way. Yeah. But you know, that's, uh, that's what you got to do. And I think it's, it's good. It's a good form of therapy. At least it's a start. And I know that there's people that listen and, um, who are all about, I mean, you've, you've been through therapy. Um, I, and I, I highly recommend it. And, um, I didn't have to go through therapy, although I should have probably, <laughs> and I'm sure I will be in the future that it's always open, but, but in a way, you need to be able to talk about the things that you're going through. You need to be able to, to have some people around you to be open and honest. And I think through all these, there's different ways to do it now. Technology's really grown in the, with all these groups. And I think holding it all in is not a good way to deal with questions and doubt and things like that. You need to find a safe place to err air the dirty laundry to get it out there and in, in the open and, and you will feel better. And that's what therapy is really yeah. is being able to, to talk honestly and openly. So, all right, Rob, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate Thanks your for time. Having me, man. Um, we'll talk to all of you guys next week. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. We must search for what is truth. What is truth and what is God? You don't really want an answer to that question. The first duty is to the truth, whether it's scientific truth or historical truth or personal truth. That's really what you want in life. You want to feel connected. You want to feel relevant. You want to feel like a, you're a participant in the goings-on of activities and events around you. That's precisely what we are, just by being alive.